What is up? I'm Henry. You're listening to Ox Talks. Um, I just found out that MF Doom passed away, so I'm very sad. But here we are on the last day of 2020. I promised myself I wouldn't put this off till now. But, you know, whatever. This is a very special episode of Ox Talks because it's actually the last one. I'm going off to college, so I'm not going to make episodes anymore. And also, just like, honestly... Fuck critics, and fuck being a critic, like, I'd much rather just enjoy music. But you know, I'm glad I did this, um, I hope you got some enjoyment out of it, uh, even though I feel like nothing I, I reviewed was good or bad enough to be all that interesting, I think I gave out all sixes and sevens, but yeah, if you've listened at all, uh, thank you so much, I mean, sincerely, I owe it all to the talk flock which is a term I wish I had coined before the last episode. But yeah, it really has been a journey. So with that out of the way, let's get it started. This is my list of the top 10 albums of 2020. We did not get a lot of albums from big names this year. So in some ways it was disappointing, but at the end of the day, I'm really glad I got the chance to listen to some new artists that I maybe wouldn't have found out about if I... You know, all these artists I already liked were dropping. I definitely came to appreciate this year a lot more uh, just in this past month. So I've spent a lot of time listening to music from 2020, watching movies from 2020, trying to catch up on anything I might have missed out on earlier in the year. And I kind of found out that there there was a lot that I initially dismissed that I ended up liking. So yeah, let's just get started. At number 10, I've got 070 Shake with Modus Vivendi. You might know 070 Shake from her work on Kanye West's Yay, or her being signed to his label Good Music. She's a young and promising artist uh, who has a really powerful and um, emotional voice. Modus Vivendi, which in Latin essentially means way of life, is 070 Shake's debut album and is a psychedelic blend of R&B, synth-pop, and rap. Her impressive and intense vocal abilities blend perfectly with the striking instrumentals, many of which were made by Mike Dean, and together create a really magical uh, music experience. At number 9, I have Boldy James and The Alchemist with their collab album, The Price of Tea in China. Boldy James is a rapper from Detroit and an artist that I just started listening to this year. I believe just after he released The Price of Tea in China, he was signed to Griselda. And The Price of Tea in China is a very raw and visceral experience. It's all about living in the hood and selling drugs and what those things can do to you. Boldy's unhurried, assured rapping style would fit in in the 90s hip-hop climate, but somehow feels just as poignant now. Between that and The Alchemist's dusty production, this album just has the ultimate classic energy. I love the whole thing, but in particular, the track Scrape the Bowl I come back to over and over again, and I really think it's one of the best songs of the year. Boldy James and Benny the Butcher going back and forth over the sinister and barren beat is hard as fuck and just hits, especially at night. It's crazy to me that Boldy James has dropped three other full-length albums this year, So yeah, big ups to him. Uh, He's definitely an artist to be uh, watching in the coming years. 
At number eight, I have The Weekends After Hours. It actually took me a while to come around on this album. I don't really like pop, so it's kind of, it's not my thing. Um, but yeah, but yeah, eventually I heard it on acid and it just clicked, I guess, because I wasn't carrying that with me that, oh, I'm Henry and I don't like pop music. Uh, so I just kind of sat back and got to enjoy it. And I really just found uh, the synths to be, you know, hitting and the melodies to be infectious. And I totally understood the hype all of a sudden. I love The Weeknd's commitment to an aesthetic and the sort of dark and toxic lyricism that's all over this album. The project is honestly just so impressive in its scale, almost in the way uh, something like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is. But yeah, listening to it, it's impossible not to feel just how layered and grand it all is. The songs are very catchy, but they're not just that. They build each one to something that's very expansive and unique. Listening to this project, I find myself getting excited at the beginning of each song, like, oh, now I get to hear this again. It's also really cool how this album was influenced by, you know, synth pop and synthwave music from like 30 to 40 years ago. Uh, and it's extremely impressive that he was able to bring that back into the mainstream and like make that what was like very popular. Obviously numbers don't really matter, but it's really cool to see an artist who has the platform of being so popular put something out there that is, you know, more intricate and sophisticated uh, than what would usually be recognized and consumed by the mainstream media. There were no features on this album, but I really didn't think uh, he needed any. He had some great collaborators on instrumentals like Metro Boomin and Kevin Parker of Tame Impala. But yeah, just it's a very, very solid album all around. I honestly, I think it's a classic. At number seven, I have Shrines by the rap duo Arm and Hammer. This is a really fantastic album, and God, I'm so glad I got introduced to... Uh, these two MCs this year. They're especially important to me today because uh, their style reminds me a lot of MF Doom. Both members, Billy Woods and Elucid, uh, perform very naturally and smoothly uh, and are very clever. They have great wordplay and imagery in their bars. Their songs feel momentous and important and something about the way they rap just really makes you want to listen in closely to what they're saying. The beats on this album are some of the best I've heard all year and are equal parts varied and cohesive. I love the chilling sound of dead cars and the classic retro feel of charms. The album's best song though might be the last one, titled The Eucharist, which is comprised of a single reflective verse from Billy Woods. In the context of the album, Billy Woods' bars and the relaxed, almost upbeat instrumental are particularly impactful. It's amazing how emotional this album is, considering how stoic both Elucid and Billy Woods are in their rapping. At number six, I have Descendants of Cain by Ka. If you ask me what rapper is the most underrated, I might have to go with Ka. He's sort of your English teacher's favorite artist. He hits you with that metaphor and that simile and then wraps it all up in an allegory and paints it with beautiful imagery he truly does do wonders with words and should be considered one of the greatest lyricists. 
His delivery is unemotional or even monotone, which is why some people think he's boring. But to those people, I would say that the emotion in his songs is expressed more so instrumentally in the beats that he makes almost all by himself uh, than it is vocally. In this album, he is diving into the mythos of the Bible and using it as a metaphor for what he has seen and the injustices he's encountered in his life. The album is called Descendants of Cain because Ka sees himself as that, the successor of ancestors who, in the eyes of God, betrayed their brother by turning to violence or theft in order to get by and feed their family. To me, it seems like the thesis of the album is that in the environment Ka is from, it is the one who lets go of their moral code who survives, because the sort of common sense view of ethics is resting on the assumption that people can afford to be guided by anything other than their immediate needs, which for many people isn't the case. If you're struggling to make ends meet and put food on the table, you're going to do whatever it takes to ensure the health and safety of your family. It's a depressing album for sure, but it feels necessary. My favorite song on this album is probably Patron Saints. His words on this track are just so powerful and crazy, it's just on another level. It really shows off his greatest strength, which I'd say is saying a lot in very few words, you know, he's very concise. Honestly, just, yeah, you gotta check this shit out. At number five, I have The Avalanches with We Will Always Love You. The Avalanches uh, are a band of sampling wizards from Australia who are extremely unique and uh, just very fun in their sound. Even when their lyrics are sometimes sad, they are just a master of this happy, upbeat energy. This album is probably their least eccentric and most uh, sort of sparse. It has a lot of um, mostly short songs filled with beautiful little moments. In this album, the avalanches are as eclectic as ever, uh, taking samples and collaborators from all genres and decades of music. It's really magical to see them bring all these people and sounds together. It's crazy. Like This album has features from Denzel Curry and MGMT and uh, Dev Hines and you know Johnny Marr of uh, The Smiths. Like, it's, it's a very odd but entertaining um, cast of musicians. The album does seem to really be about uh, love and heartbreak, but in a lot of ways it still feels like a mystery to me, um, and I like that about it. So I'm definitely going to keep listening to this album a lot more going into uh, 2021, too. Yeah, I would just, yeah, I'd very highly recommend this. At number four is Kid Cudi with Man on the Moon 3. Kid Cudi returning to his classic Man on the Moon series in 2020 uh, seemed almost too good to be true. And some people uh, think he really didn't deliver, but I am not one of those people. I love this album. His sound on this project is pretty similar to Passion, Pain, and Demon Slayin'. There's a lot of Travis Scott-esque um, auto-tune effects used on his voice, but... He didn't use it all the time, which was good. And you know, every Kid Cudi album has good and bad songs, but overall this album is such a positive experience in my eyes. In his personality and lyrics, Kid Cudi really hasn't changed a bit, and I think in a lot of ways that was kind of the point of the album. 
But yeah, to me this feels like a great continuation of Cuddy's discography. Although he doesn't quite have the songwriting skills that he used to. He used to make these beautiful, insanely catchy songs out of nothing, and it seems like he can't really do that uh, so well anymore. There are very few songs on here that are joining his list of, uh, you know, his greatest songs ever. For me, the only one would probably be The Void. But yeah, I don't want to get too down on this album. Uh, I'm just critical of Kid Cudi because I, I really love him and I know what he's capable of. Kid Cudi is an artist who, in his music, is on a mission to sort of show show what he's gone through and what he's dealing with uh, in order to help people and specifically help the kids. So to me, the fact that the world got to experience a new Cudi album again and maybe some kids who had never listened to him before got exposed to him, especially in a year like this when the world really needs him, like I think that's really important. And also just impactful that a song like Tequila Shots got to be the most popular song, even if it was just for a little bit. At number three, I have Young Lean with Stars. This is the kind of album that you really have to listen to on like good speakers because the intricacy of these like textures and sounds is just so important and essential to the experience of the album. These are some of the most beautiful songs Young Lean has ever made, and definitely some of his most sensitive. Whether he's singing or rapping, he sounds extremely smooth on every song. And it's incredible how he finds a way to mesh with, uh, you know, these vibrant and futuristic instrumentals. I love the way that um, musically Young Lean has matured over the span of his career. Uh, and honestly, although I haven't heard all his albums, I think this is my favorite one that I've heard from him. It's a great album to just sit back and admire the layering and attention to detail that uh, was taken with this. Also, maybe the first Young Lean album you can rock in the day or nighttime. Hmm. We are finally getting to the end because uh, we are down to number two, which is going to be Unlocked from Denzel Curry and Kenny Beats. This album is a short and sweet roller coaster of sounds and energies. I love the way Kenny Beats chopped this all up. I love the samples he used. I really think this is the best produced album of the year. Kenny's best work for sure in my eyes. As for Denzel Curry, he doesn't go into the conscious lyrical lane that he sort of has in the past, but instead brings us another entirely freestyled album with a new style of lyricism that feels entirely unique to this project. The use of rhythm and language and, you know, different vocal inflections and cadences in this album is, like, so crazy impressive that it's, like, it's impossible to even comprehend, for me at least, that someone, uh, you know, did all this rapping just off the top of their head. In my opinion, and I know this is a very hot take, but in my opinion, like, this Unlocked is a more impressive freestyle endeavor than any of Jay-Z's albums. And based on, you know, this and a lot of freestyles I've seen him do in interviews and radio shows, and as well as his last freestyled album, Zoo, like, I think I gotta name Denzel Curry possibly, like, in my opinion, the greatest freestyler ever. And the energy he brings to his, you know, really intricate lyricism uh, continues to surpass anyone else. Like, he, he, he gets you going when you're listening to him. I'd love to point to a favorite bar or song uh, just to tell you, but 
I really think you have to listen to this album in full, which is not which is not difficult because it's very short. Um, but yeah, I really love this album. Um, and until very recently, it was my album of the year. But yeah, I think this shit is just fantastic. And frankly, unless we get uh, the Unlocked 2 album, which, you know, apparently is in the works, but I really have my doubts that we'll ever see it. You know, unless that comes through, I really don't think we'll ever see another album like Unlocked. Okay, I was running out of steam, but I took a break. I ate some tacos. Now I have the energy I need to talk about my album of the year, my number one spot, and it is Playboy Cardi with Whole Lot of Red. You knew it was gonna be fucking Whole Lot of Red, bro. You knew. After. Over two years of waiting, we finally get this album. Finally. And honestly, like, I'm totally, totally satisfied with it. Like, it ha- it had so much hype, and it really did live up to the hype, for me at least. I know a lot of people weren't rocking with it. Um, you know, it's definitely a bizarre, weird album. Nothing like his previous two albums. Um, but that's, I think... A really cool thing that each one of his projects sounds totally uh, independent from each other but yeah this is definitely the most unique album uh, we've seen in hip-hop for a while I would say if I have to compare it to something you know the production kind of sounds like uh, Young Lean and Drang Gang and then uh, the vocals are kind of reminiscent of Young Thug but yeah, even if you don't like Whole Lot of Red, you gotta give Playboy Cardi props for creating something so um, unprecedented. With so much of Playboy Cardi's uh, music being leaked, it's been very interesting to see him uh, sort of evolve and change as a musician um, in the process of making this album. Because, you know, who knows? It could have been out two years ago had it not been for leakers. So it is definitely odd to hear Neon as the same album as Control just because Cardi's gone through like multiple different like musical phases in between uh, the makings of those songs, if that makes sense. Um, so it is kind of odd, but it I really couldn't be more happy with how it turned out. Of course, more features could have been cool, but I mean, Cardi is really animated enough to... Uh, carry his own project he doesn't he doesn't really need features but i don't know what's so great about this album is as well as being like a piece of fucking art uh it's just so much fun like this shit is a fucking rager there are a ton of songs on this album that i'm going to be playing all the time okay like teen x um metamorphosis uh king vamp jump out the house um new neon on that time there's so many fuck like i this shit is just so great like you know every every song pretty much like not every song i do think some songs aren't necessary but you know pretty much every song has like a ton of fucking like energy and it's just fun as shit to listen to i wish i had a more eloquent way of saying it but yeah this album is just fun as shit to listen to and if it goes the same way the the last two Playboy Cardi projects have for me, you know, I know as soon as I get tired of the songs I like right now, I'll start loving the other ones that I haven't really gotten into yet. 
so yeah after over two years of waiting this is my album of the year it is worth the wait i'm so glad this shit is out if you haven't listened what the fuck are you doing listen to that shit it's fucking weird but it's great and this album will be forever remembered so that is my list thank you very much for listening we just we got to just about 20 minutes not bad last year the list was about 40 minutes so doing a lot better now um but yeah it's been a ride thank you so much for listening to my podcast ox talks i love the talk flock say what's up to the talk flock (laughs) love you guys um yeah this is henry sliming out wait what do i say (laughs) shit (laughs) this is henry sliming off forever peace out guys